Chapter Twenty Six of Journey to the Center of the Earth. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Journey to the Center of the Earth by Jules Verne. Chapter Twenty Six: A Rapid Recovery. When I returned to the consciousness of existence, I found myself surrounded by a kind of semi-obscurity, lying on some thick and soft coverlets. My uncle was watching, his eyes fixed intently on my countenance, a grave expression on his face, a tear in his eye. At the first sigh which struggled from my bosom, he took hold of my hand. When he saw my eyes open and fixed themselves upon his, he uttered a loud cry of joy. "'He lives! He lives!' "'Yes, my good uncle,' I whispered. "'My dear boy,' continued the grim professor, clasping me to his heart, "'you are saved!' I was deeply and unaffectedly touched by the tone in which these words were uttered, and even more by the kindly care which accompanied them. The professor, however, was one of those men who must be severely tried in order to induce any display of affection or gentle emotion. At this moment our friend Hans, the guide, joined us. He saw my hand in that of my uncle, and I venture to say that, taciturn as he was, his eyes beamed with lively satisfaction. "'Good dog,' he said. "'Good day, Hans, good day,' I replied in as hearty a tone as I could assume. And now, uncle, that we are together, tell me where we are. I have lost all idea of our position as of everything else. Tomorrow, Harry, tomorrow, he replied. Today you are far too weak. Your head is surrounded with bandages and poultices that must not be touched. Sleep, my boy, sleep, and tomorrow you will know all that you require. But, I cried, let me know what o'clock it is, what day it is. It is now eleven o'clock at night, and this is once more Sunday. It is now the ninth of the month of August, and I distinctly prohibit you from asking any more questions until the tenth of the same. I was, if the truth were told, very weak indeed, and my eyes soon closed involuntarily. I did require a good night's rest, and I went off reflecting at the last moment that my perilous adventure in the interior of the earth, in total darkness, had lasted four days on the morning of the next day at my awakening i began to look around me my sleeping-place made of all our travelling bedding was in a charming grotto adorned with magnificent stalagmites glittering in all the colours of the rainbow the floor of soft and silvery sand a dim obscurity prevailed no torch no lamp was lighted and yet certain unexplained beams of light penetrated from without and made their way through the opening of the beautiful grotto i moreover heard a vague and indefinite murmur like the ebb and flow of waves upon a strand and sometimes i verily believed i could hear the sighing of the wind i began to believe that instead of being awake i must be dreaming surely my brain had not been affected by my fall and all that occurred during the last twenty-four hours was not the frenzied visions of madness 
and yet after some reflection a trial of my faculties i came to the conclusion that i could not be mistaken eyes and ears could not surely both deceive me it is a ray of the blessed daylight i said to myself which has penetrated through some mighty fissure in the rocks but what is the meaning of this murmur of waves this unmistakable moaning of the salt sea billows i can hear too plainly enough the whistling of the wind but can i be altogether mistaken if my uncle during my illness has but carried me back to the surface of the earth has he on my account given up his wondrous expedition or in some strange manner has it come to an end i was puzzling my brain over these and other questions when the professor joined me good day harry he cried in a joyous tone i fancy you are quite well i'm very much better i replied actually sitting up in my bed i knew that would be the end of it as you slept both soundly and tranquilly hans and i have each taken turn to watch and every hour we have seen visible signs of amelioration you must be right uncle was my reply for i feel as if i could do justice to any meal you could put before me you shall eat my boy you shall eat the fever has left you our excellent friend hans has rubbed your wounds and bruises with i know not what ointment of which the icelanders alone possesses the secret and they have healed your bruises in the most marvellous manner ah he's a wise fellow is master hans while he was speaking my uncle was placing before me several articles of food which despite his earnest injunctions i readily devoured as soon as the first rage of hunger was appeased i overwhelmed him with questions to which he now no longer hesitated to give answers i then learned for the first time that my providential fall had brought me to the bottom of an almost perpendicular gallery as i came down amidst a perfect shower of stones the least of which falling on me would have crushed me to death they came to the conclusion that i had carried with me an entire dislocated rock riding as it were on this terrible chariot i was cast headlong into my uncle's arms and into them i fell insensible and covered with blood it is indeed a miracle was the professor's final remark that you were not killed a thousand times over but let us take care never to separate for surely we should risk never meeting again let us take care never again to separate these words fell with a sort of chill upon my heart the journey then was not over i looked at my uncle with surprise and astonishment my uncle after an instant's examination of my countenance said what is the matter harry i want to ask you a very serious question you say that i am all right in health certainly you are and all my limbs are sound and capable of new exertion i asked most undoubtedly but what about my head was my next anxious question well your head except that you have one or two contusions is exactly where it ought to be on your shoulders said my uncle laughing well my own opinion is that my head is not exactly right in fact i believe myself slightly delirious what makes you think so i will explain why i fancy i have lost my senses i cried 
have we not returned to the surface of mother earth certainly not then truly i must be mad for do i not see the light of day do i not hear the whistling of the wind and can i not distinguish the wash of a great sea and that is all that makes you uneasy said my uncle with a smile can you explain i will not make any attempt to explain for the whole matter is utterly inexplicable but you shall see and judge for yourself you will then find that geological science is as yet in its infancy and that we are doomed to enlighten the world let us advance then i cried eagerly no longer able to restrain my curiosity wait a moment my dear harry he responded you must take precautions after your illness before going into the open air the open air yes my boy i have to warn you that the wind is rather violent and i have no wish for you to expose yourself without necessary precautions but i beg to assure you that i am perfectly recovered from my illness have just a little patience my boy a relapse would be inconvenient to all parties we have no time to lose as our approaching sea voyage may be of long duration sea voyage i cried more bewildered than ever yes you must take another day's rest and we shall be ready to go on board by to-morrow replied my uncle with a peculiar smile go on board the words utterly astonished me go on board and what and how had we come upon a river a lake had we discovered some inland sea was a vessel lying at anchor in some part of the interior of the earth my curiosity was worked up to the very highest pitch my uncle made vain attempts to restrain me when at last however he discovered that my feverish impatience would do more harm than good and that the satisfaction of my wishes could alone restore me to a calm state of mind he gave way i dressed myself rapidly and then taking the precaution to please my uncle of wrapping myself in one of the coverlets i rushed out of the grotto end of chapter 26 read by lars rolander